Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. We're going to start a a two-week series called Plan B. Plan B. And we're really going to answer an important question over the next couple of weeks that I hope helps you. I know it's helping me uh, in sort of working through where I'm at in my faith and some situations that I have faced. Maybe you're facing some of the same kind of things, and maybe we can grow together. So we're asking ourselves this question, what do you do when God doesn't show up like you thought he should. What do you do when God doesn't show up like you thought he should? How do you react? How do you act? How do you think? How does it change your behavior? What do you really do in the times in life when God doesn't show up the way you thought that God should? I don't know if you remember the day or the week or the month or maybe you remember the exact moment when you discovered that all of your life wasn't going to turn out the way that you thought it was. Does anybody... (laughs) It still hadn't dawned on you yet. How many of you can remember that turning point? If it was marrying your spouse, don't raise your hand. (laughs) That you just remember... (laughs) I saw some single adults raise their hand. (laughs) It was the day I got rid of him. That's when it was. (laughs) You remember the time that everything sort of changed for you. You realize this is not what I planned. This is not how I saw my life going. This is not how I thought this was going to turn out. All of us have dreams and goals and desires and wishes and expectations and hopes for our lives that for a myriad of reasons just don't happen. And just don't come to pass. And you just never fully realize all that you hoped you would be. Plans fizzle out. Expectations arrive at nothing. Love fades away. Dreams are shattered or slowly slip away. I don't know, has this ever happened to any of you like it has me? Would you just be honest and raise your hand? Sometimes that sort of stuff just happens. Sometimes it's just such that plan A comes to this screeching halt. The thing that I thought was going to happen didn't. How I thought it was going to go, it didn't go. What I grew up thinking was going to be my life is not my life now. What I thought was going to happen didn't. Happened. How I thought this was going to work out, it didn't. What I had planned for my relationship didn't end up that way. Maybe for you it was the realization that hit you in the form of an illness or even a death. Maybe it's a terrifying diagnosis. Maybe you've been there or know someone who has and suddenly you're into this world of IVs and hospital beds and then you lose a friend or a loved one or a spouse. Maybe it involves a financial decision that you just knew was the right thing to do and that it all comes crashing down. 
and it's not what you planned. And it's not the way it was supposed to go. And this isn't what I saw coming. Maybe it was a business deal that you got into and you were so confident, this is it. You told all your friends and family, you know, that's what they tell you to do first. You call all of them. So you told all of them, this is it. God gave me this thing to sell you. (laughs) You need this rainbow vacuum cleaner because God opened up the door for me to sell these. And I'm going to be rich and I'm going to pay the church off. And then I'm going to travel the world helping orphanages and feeding small little African children. This is my destiny. It's what I'm supposed to do. And if I can just get into rainbow vacuums, that's what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. And then you can't sell them. <laughs> and it doesn't work. And then it falls apart. And you've told everybody. And you've said it to your spouse. And you've emptied your savings account. And you told her, just hang on, this is going to get better. That's what men do. Stick with me. i got a plan. That's what we say. When men tell you that, wives, we have no idea what we're doing. Generally speaking, when we have to tell you we have a plan, it's because we don't have a plan. And we're trying to convince ourselves that this thing that we told you would work is going to work. What do you do when it doesn't? What do you do when God doesn't come through for you like you thought He should? What do you do when the dreams that you had as a, as a child are shattered in a cold yellow manila envelope disguised as divorce papers? What do you do when you thought that you would live forever with this person, that you would grow old together, you would raise your kids together, you would have grandkids together, and now you can't speak on the phone together? What do you do when plan A doesn't work out? How do you act when you thought you would be married by now? You just knew you'd have a family by now and it just isn't happening for you. You you thought you'd met the one, you know that one, the one countless times and it just never seems to work and it always ends in heartbreak and loneliness. It's a vicious cycle. You don't know how to stop. And now every wedding that you attend, you look at and you think, why is it happening for them and why did it not work out for me? What do you do when God doesn't show up the way you thought He should? What do you do when plan A doesn't work out? What do you do when all the dreams that you had, what do you do when all the plans that you made, What do you do with all the desires that you mustered up and you told everybody and you bore your heart to everybody? What do you do when plan A doesn't work out? What do you do when your dreams are shattered? I have two friends, Nate and Stacy. We were pastors together at a church in another state. And I'll never forget a couple of weeks after we started working together, I watched Nate and Stacy walk to the front. I had seen them do that for a couple of services, but yet again they walked to the front. And this time was so different. And Stacy, my friend, fell literally on the stage, weeping and sobbing and crying. And I couldn't figure it out what's so terrible, what's so wrong. Little did I know that for years and years and years and years they had come to the front and asked God for a baby. And once again... She wasn't pregnant. What do you do when plan A doesn't work out? What do you do when God doesn't show up like you thought He should? 
Maybe it's a career for you. I know I'm laying a groundwork, but I really want to get where you live. Maybe it's a career for you. Maybe you think you're destined for the corner office and you can't get out of that cubicle. And you don't know why. You think God gave it to you. You just don't know how to get there. Maybe for you it's a debilitating addiction. That you're embarrassed to tell everybody that you have kicked a thousand times and you've picked it up a thousand and one. And you can't seem to get rid of it. And you know that you're destined to live a free life. You just don't know what happens when plan A doesn't work out. What do I do when God doesn't show up the way I thought he should? I grew up in a faith-filled church just like this. I grew up hearing preachers just like this tell me God's coming through. God's going to make a way. God can do anything. And I believe all of that. But unfortunately, in my faith, I never answered the question, what if he doesn't? I never had someone walk me through what it meant when God didn't. I never had someone look me in the eyes and say, sometimes it's not his will. I never had somebody explain to me how I handle tragedy when I thought God would answer my prayer. I never had somebody honestly tell me, standing at a casket, why? Tell me why. I don't care. I don't care. All, all, the, all, you can, all the platitudes, all the God cans, tell me why. Tell me why he died. Tell me why it happened. Tell me why it ended this bad. What do I do when God doesn't show up the way I thought he should? Listen to me and listen to me well. Sometimes our disappointments are our own fault. Say amen. You and I have to be honest in the beginning of our time together. Some of the stuff wrong in our lives are our faults. Point to yourself. They're my fault. I did them. They're choices I made. They're decisions I made. They're paths I took. They're sin I continue to commit. Sometimes it's somebody else's fault. Don't point at other people. <laughs> Sometimes it's other people that made a bad choice that forever change your life. Sometimes it's other people's destructive lifestyle and now you're caught up in the middle of this. Sometimes somebody else decides to walk out. Somebody else cheats. Somebody else lies. Somebody else makes a decision. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's a combination of both. My bad, their bad. And life just doesn't work out. But then there's sometimes, maybe you've been there, when life just seems to fall apart for absolutely no reason whatsoever. That there's no real reason why I can put my finger on this happened. A fire consumes. We have a friend who lives in another state. These are incredible people who serve God with all their hearts. They're givers. They give their time, their talent, their treasure. They give to God. They serve God. They just retired. They've worked all their lives for this moment. Their children are in ministry. They give their lives to Jesus Christ. And just a couple of weeks ago, all of their possessions that they moved from the home they raised their kids in to the home that they were retiring in burned to the ground just like that. What do you do when God doesn't show up the way you thought he should? What do you do when it's just random, when it doesn't make sense? Why would this happen now? Why would it happen then? Why that one phone call that changed everything in my life? I was watching a movie the other night, and I don't, we don't get to do that a lot anymore because we have an 18-month-old who, instead of a blood type, she has Red Bull coursing through her veins. 
like her mama. And we were watching. <laughs> You'd be amazed how bold preachers get when we're up here. We say all kind of crazy stuff we wouldn't normally say. We're watching a movie the other night. We had a, a, a couple of moments alone, and, and I love suspenseful, like, edge-of-your-seat kind of movies. Do you like those kind of movies? Not scary. That's different. If you like scary movies, you're going to go to hell. Not that. That's different. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. You're not going to go to hell. I don't mean scary movies. I don't want scary movies. They scare me. They're, they're scary movies for scary movies. I like suspenseful movies. But they're not good for me. They're very bad for my blood pressure. But I like them. I like that kind of edge of your seat kind, kind of stuff. But at least when you watch suspenseful movies, though, you kind of get a clue something's happening. You know, the camera angles start getting weird, and you're like, why are they going blind right now? What are... Why is everything getting blurry all of a sudden? And then the music starts changing, you know, and it gets really sinister. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh, here they come. And you see the shadow coming around, and you know this isn't going to be good. I love those kind of suspenseful movies. They're still suspenseful, but listen, at least you get a clue. Sometimes life doesn't do that. I wish there were music that played that said, hey, just around the corner, the decision you're about to make, the turn you're about to take, the relationship you're about to enter, the job you're about to take, the move you're about to make, all of that stuff, all that decision. I wish there would be a camera angle change. I wish the music would start playing. I wish the lights would get lower, but it doesn't happen sometimes. Sometimes we just take a turn, and there it is, and our lives crumble, and plan A doesn't work out. What do you do when it's so random, when you can't make sense of it. You can't blame it on anybody. You can't explain it. It just happens and sometimes life is so unpredictable that way. If you're like a lot of people and if you're like me, your broken dreams and your shattered plans can leave you wondering. If I can be frank with you tonight, I wonder occasionally, is God still involved? If you were honest, you feel the same way sometimes. Where's God at? Why isn't he working right now? Why isn't he answering right now? Why didn't he come through? You may even begin to wonder if God cares for you. It's amazing where your mind can go when you're in the middle of crisis. You know better, but you don't feel better. You know right, but you don't feel right. What do you do? How do you act? Maybe you've wondered just like, a lot of other people, what do I do next? Maybe you're paralyzed by making a wrong decision. I've made such a bad decision turning this way. I don't want to do anything else because if I do anything else, it's just going to get worse. You ever been there? You're, you're paralyzed by the analysis of the situation. What do I do next? I don't know what to do next. This was so wrong. This relationship was so bad, but I don't want to get out of it because I'm afraid I'm going to mess something else up. This job is not right, but I don't want to leave it because I may not have one. This financial decision was so terrible, but I'm committed to it. i got to stick with it. I don't know what to do next. And we sort of feel like, I, I don't know how to go, and, 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 and I, I don't know where to go, and I, I don't even know if anybody else knows where I am. Listen to me, and I want you to listen very clearly to what I'm telling you. You and I are not alone. Say, I'm not alone.
You're not alone. You're not alone. The enemy would tell you that you're the only one facing this. The enemy of your soul would tell you you're the only one out there. What an idiot. How could you not see the warning signs? You're all alone by yourself. Why did you make that decision? Why did you go that far? Why did you get into that? You knew better. You heard better. You should have done better. But I want to tell you, you are not alone. Everybody. Say everybody. Say everybody. Shout it. Everybody has shattered dreams. Don't come to this church, listen to me, look at me in the eyes. Don't come to this church and look around at people thinking they've got it together. They've got everything they've ever wanted. They've made it easy. It's been easy in their life. Don't look around on this platform. Don't look around at these people serving. Don't look around at the smiles that you see in churches and think, I wish I had it that easy. I wish I had it like that. Shout everybody. Everybody has broken dreams. Everybody's life takes a turn they didn't realize. Everybody, say everybody. Everybody needs healing for our brokenness. Everybody needs healing for our brokenness. There's nobody under the sound of my voice tonight that hasn't had a broken dream. There's nobody under the sound of my voice whose life is exactly the same way that you thought it would always be. We've all had a picture of the way our lives should be and could be. And then we look around at how they really are. I don't know if you do this. This probably isn't a good exercise, I'll be honest with you. But sometimes when you're depressed and you're low, you just look around and you think, man, this is what I thought it was going to be and this is what it really is. And you start investigating this margin of difference. Listen to me. There's a scary place in this margin of difference between what I thought my life was going to be and what my life really is. It's in that margin of difference that you make bad decisions. Can I talk to you? Say amen. amen. Men, listen to me. It's in that margin of difference that you cheat on your wife. Because who I thought I was going to marry and who I married, there's a margin. Women, it's in that margin of difference that you walk out on your families. I know you see stories of women who walk out on their kids all the time and you think, how could they do that? I'll tell you how. Because the life that they thought they were going to live and the life that they're currently living, there's such a wide margin and they dwell in that margin to the point that they make terrible decisions and walk away from it all. And you and I are just as capable of the same decision. What do you do? And how do you act? And God doesn't come through the way you thought He could, the way you thought He should. Part of the frustration is when you look around and you think everybody's got it put together. So all of these questions, I know I've laid a lot of those foundational questions for you. We won't redo that again next week. But I really wanted you to understand how important this topic is. I wanted us to really sort of peel back this facade that we have as spirit-filled believers that everything's going to be all right just because we say it's going to be all right that everything turns out the way we want it to just because we say that it's going to turn out the way we want it to it doesn't always happen that way and if I'm the first to tell you that I'm sorry but sometimes life doesn't do fair and so how you react to that is so vitally important in light of the fact that I'm not alone in this, everybody faces it and everyone has shattered dreams and everybody needs healing. I need to know what to do now. I need to know how to act now. If you're in this room tonight, I want you to know without a doubt if this hasn't happened, it will. 
So you and I need a tool about how to act through this. How to really make sure that we come out on the other side of our brokenness still serving God. I can't tell you the countless people who in the middle of this brokenness, when their dreams are shattered, when they see the margin between the life they thought they were going to live and the life they currently live, they throw away everything, including their relationship with God. And oftentimes, Pastor Josh would attest to this, and others in ministry here, oftentimes those are the people who come back to God in their 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s and 80s. And they're broken, and their hearts are broken, and their marriages are broken, and their lives are broken, and they're addicted and afflicted and messed up. And you think to yourself, how does it get this bad? It's very simple. It's when what I thought was going to happen didn't happen. And how I reacted, listen, how I reacted, how I acted when God didn't show up the way I thought He should. What was my response when God didn't come through? the way that I thought he should. What do you do with a shattered dream? What do you do with an unmet expectation? What do you do when life isn't turning out like you planned? What do you do when all you can do is plan B? What do you do when the only thing that makes sense from here is what's next? What do you do when the only real choice I have is to go back to the drawing board and try to refigure this out? I don't know exactly what to do next. Let me walk you through a couple of things that I think may help you if you have your Bibles. The Bible's stocked full of stories of men and women who have faced this kind of debilitating place where their dreams are shattered, where things don't work out the way that you thought they would. But I particularly love the story of David in the Old Testament and I love sort of his response. I love uh, the, the back and forth of David. Can I be frank with you for just a moment, just because it's just us? I think David gets it too easy sometimes. I really do. I, I grew up hearing that David was a man after God's own heart. And he slept around on his wife, and he had people killed, and he was messed up. You ever get bothered at people like that? <laughs> I do. I know y'all are holier than I am, but I get bothered at a guy like David who messes up so much. I think that's why, I think that's why he's so intriguing to me. Is I, I see these ups and downs in his life, and I go, maybe not that bad, but man, I've, I can understand. I see, I feel maybe what he feels. So uh, quickly, let me summarize. I have to go quickly. David's life. First Samuel 16, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go there. And we're just going to kind of skim through 1 Samuel 16 very quickly. I'm so sorry, the people in the dark. Y'all need a flashlight or something. David is a teenager in 1 Samuel 16. Samuel is a prophet, the preacher. He shows up and, and he's there to anoint the next king of Israel. I have to hurry. And so Samuel knows that it's one of Jesse's sons. He knows it's one of the boys he's there to see. And so he picks David. He anoints him and he declares, listen, that David will one day be king. Say king. David is given the anointing of king. Let me say it again. David immediately is anointed king. Here's the problem. There's already a king. 
is a little strange to David, and the whole family thinks it's a little strange. There's already a king, and, and frankly, this little boy's the youngest, Jesse, and all the brothers think, man, this doesn't really make sense. But Samuel is confident this is who God said, anoint king, make him king. And here's, here's what I think probably happened. It's probably the same thing that happened to me and happened to you. When as a child, as a teenager, as a young person, when a dream is born inside of you, when you think for the first time, maybe in your entire life, I can be somebody. I can get out of this sheep field, pasture. I can get away from all this sheep poo-poo on my feet. I have an 18-month-old. It's poo-poo in our house. I can get away from this smell. I can get away from these fences. I can get away from this house. I can get away from these brothers. I know you didn't think that growing up, but David probably did. I can get away from Jesse. I can get away from all of this. And this dream is sort of born inside of David at the anointing of Samuel the prophet. He, he has this new idea. Up until then, for the Godwin, frankly, David's best case scenario is to just grow up and take over the family business full time and hopefully he meets a hot chick who doesn't mind the smell of sheep because this is really all he's got going and then somebody comes along and says you can be more you can be better God's destined you for more and he anoints him king and then nothing Changes. Have you ever come to church and felt that supernatural, like, I am ready, this is it, I, I know what I'm supposed to do, and then you go home to the same house. You walk out of here thinking you're the king with a scepter and everybody's going to bow down and this is the way. You even refer to yourself. You tell your wife, honey, from henceforth, Call me your royal highness if you don't mind. You start talking in King James English. You demand kingly stuff and then you get home and your wife rolls her eyes and says, Do the dishes. Shut up. What are you doing? You sell your plan. It's rainbow vacuum cleaners. I hope nobody here sells rainbow. It's rainbow vacuum cleaners. It's whatever your thing is, man, this is the right business deal. That God did this. It's, it's a relationship. You go home telling everybody, I met the one. I met the one. She's the one. I, I just know it. I've always found that funny, guys that say that. I'm going to marry her. I know. I, God told me. <laughs> All right. God said it. and it's got, She's the one. It's going to happen. And they go home and I'm king. And, <clears throat> and then she, she doesn't give you the time of day. <laughs> Nothing changes. David goes back to this pretty monotonous job. I've never tended sheep, believe that or not. But I can imagine it to be pretty monotonous. And so he just stays in this same monotony. Now, if I'm David, I have a lot of doubts about what's going on here. I have developed some plans. You know, I've got a lot of time to think about what I'm going to do as king. I've got a lot of time to plan how it's going to be in my kingdom. I've got a lot of time to decide what I'm going to correct about this kingdom, how I'm going to fix what Saul's doing wrong, how things are going to be right in my kingdom. I've made plans. And so this anointing turns into a dream that turns into a plan, that turns into a goal, that turns into an expectation. 
It's plan A. It's what's supposed to happen. It's what God said. It's my plan. And time passes. And time passes. And time passes. And time passes. And you feel stuck in this marriage. Stuck in this relationship. Stuck in this job. Stuck in this house. Stuck in this business deal. Bored with my life. How could this be? Did God really say or not? Eventually you get disappointed. And eventually you get jaded. And eventually you start questioning what happens when God doesn't show up the way you thought He should. So you know the story. David is not a soldier. It continues on. First Samuel, keep reading there. First Samuel 17, 18. David's not a soldier, not by a long shot. Pardon the pun. So he's long shot, David. So he goes to the battlefield and Michael Jackson literally just got that. And he's laughing out loud at me. Thank you, bub. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'll be here all night. So he goes to the battlefield with a slingshot. You know the story. He's not even there to fight. He's not a soldier. He's not old enough to be a soldier. He doesn't have, he doesn't have armor. Nothing works out. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just here delivering food to my brothers. The only reason I'm here. And so he hears these rumors uh, and the taunts of a giant named Goliath. You know the way this goes. All of the enemy, uh, I'm sorry, all of the army of Israel is scared to death and so David's young he may be a little bit overconfident I'm not sure but he firmly believes that God is with him listen he firmly believes that God is with him he firmly believes that God is with him he firmly believes that this is what I'm supposed to be doing how can he be so confident how do you know how can I be so confident let me tell you why I love this the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16 and 13 when Samuel anointed David as king Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers and from that day forward listen the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And he thought when he's standing in that battlefield facing Goliath, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what it's supposed to be. You know the story. He ends up killing Goliath. It's amazing. He ends up hitting him in the temple with a stone from his slingshot and instantly David becomes this national hero. He goes from a shepherd boy, nobody, to a national hero, giant killing somebody. Even the king, this is getting hairy, the already anointed king and the current king, even the current king, Saul, commends him. He puts him at a high-ranking post in the army. This is my favorite part. He even lets him marry his daughter. (laughs) It's finally coming together, David would say. Maybe the old prophet was right. Listen, have you ever been there in your life? It looks like it's coming together. 
It looks like things are finally happening for me. It looks like I'm going to get that promotion. It looks like things are going to finally work out. It looks like this thing's really going to finally get through. It looks like everything's going to happen. Don't, don't get lost in the details of the story without interjecting your own life here. Just like David, it looks like everything's falling into place. My dreams, my plans, my hopes are becoming reality. Your, your, your pregnancy test is positive. Your, your spouse agrees to marriage counseling. There's some kind of circumstantial shift that shines this bright light on your hidden dreams and suddenly your hopes escalate. This is finally it. It's finally coming to pass. This is where David is. Up until now, David has been wondering. I told you, David's got that up and down. He's been wondering, is this really going to happen? How is this really going to work out? I don't even know if this is true. I don't even know if the prophet's right. I don't even know if this is true or not. I don't know how to react when God doesn't show up. And then suddenly God shows up in this big way. And it looks like everything's working out. And there it is. That curve you couldn't see coming. That phone call you couldn't imagine happening. David's not sure what the deal is, but King Saul is a little different. First things start breaking down in their relationship. Saul starts rolling his eyes at all of David's jokes like you did mine. He starts casting this annoyed look like, I I don't like him, I don't like him being here. Then there's these little hints that, that... Saul is not entirely happy with, uh, with David. And then, and then there's this strange episode. Read it for yourself, 1 Samuel. There's this strange episode that happens that's kind of like, it's Jerry Springer-esque. I mean, it, it is like, it's over-the-top kind of stuff. So there's this little kind of rift between Saul and David. And then one day, out of the clear blue, Saul launches a spear at David. Jerry Springer, I told you. Now, now listen, listen close. Even if you're not really good at picking up clues in a bad relationship, if she throws a spear at you, it's over. If he is throwing a spear at you, it's over. David said, I don't know. <laughs> yes, Lord, she said. David said, I don't know what happened. This guy's going crazy. This thing's just falling apart. Just when I thought it was right, just when I thought I was making my break, just when I thought God was coming through, just when it looked like I was finally getting somewhere, just when it looked like my prayers were answered, just when it looked like my plan was working out, just when it looked like my dream was coming to pass, and in a single day, everything falls apart. Everything falls apart. Now Jonathan is Saul's son, and him and David are best friends. And Jonathan comes to him and says basically this, Dude, listen, my dad wants to kill you. I don't have to say that. And he's going to do whatever it takes to get rid of you, so you've got to get out of here, and you've got to get out of here now. And so then it happens immediately. In a matter of minutes, listen, this has happened to some of us. In a matter of minutes, David's dreams are slipping away. The thing that he thought he was supposed to do is gone. He fears for his life, and so David does what anybody does when we feel like our dreams are slipping away. 
David runs. Now, it sounds a little sensible, to be honest, if somebody's throwing spears at you to run. (laughs) But I don't think that David is just running from spears and Saul. I think David is running from God because that's what I do and that's what you do. If I'm honest, when things don't go like I think they should, when my prayers aren't answered, when God doesn't come through like I think He should, my instinct, my first response is not to run into a God that I don't understand. It's to run away from a God who's not answering. Our first response is just like David's. When our dreams are shattered, when our plans don't work out, when everything seems to be crumbling around our feet, the first thing David did is run away. He flees the country. Uh, Up until this point, David had felt God's hand on him. But listen, after David leaves, we never again hear about God's presence on him. We don't sort of hear that, that, that again, we we don't hear that strong power uh, of uh, of God's spirit on him anymore. It seems like David is losing faith that God can come through. So what do you do? You run away. You turn your back on God and you run as fast as you can the other direction. You don't have to raise your hand, but this is when questions like, if God loves me, why? If God cared for me, why? If God is able, why? If God said he would, why? If God can, why? David, once again, has his dreams and his plans and his hopes. And plan A is crumbling. In the book of 1 Samuel, we see David on the run. There's no mention of God's presence there. It feels like there is no chance that his dream is going to come to pass. And maybe you're there tonight. Plan A has failed. Blindsided. Totally surprised. My dreams shattered. I don't know how I got this bad. I don't know when things fell apart. I don't know why he threw that spear. I thought things were working out. I thought everything was okay. I don't know what went wrong. I want you to write this down and I don't want you to forget this sentence. It's very true that we often assume that the road to a God-given dream is going to be smooth. Oftentimes in my life, I assume that the road to a God-given dream is going to be smooth. I think if God said it, then it's going to be easy. If God wants me to have it, then it's going to be smooth. If it's God's will, it's got to be easy, right? That's what we say. If it's God's will, then everything will work out. The phone will ring. The door will open. Everything happened, right? Isn't that what we say? It's what I say. If it's God's will, I'll just get green lights. That's preacher talk for everything's going to work out. Everything's going to happen just right. If it's God's will for me to get that job, they'll call me back tomorrow. If it's God's will, listen, if this is God's will for me to do that, then what's going to happen is the U-Haul is it literally is going to break down in front of my house, and it's going to open up, and movers are going to come out of that 
U-Haul, and this is what I told the Lord. If he would do this, then I would know it was his will for me to move. If, if, if God, will, if he'll cut, listen, here's, here's what I told, this is just what I feel in my spirit. That's what we always say, it's what I feel in my spirit. I feel like in my spirit that if, if someone will come to my cubicle and will literally take the computer off my desk and throw it out of my third floor office window, then I will know that's God's sign. It's going to be smooth, it's going to be easy to go. This is going to be the easiest time I've ever quit a job. Because this is what I assume. I assume that the road to a God-given dream is going to be smooth. And Samuel had told David, listen quick, that you're going to be king one day. He forgot to mention that whole, the current king is going to try to kill you thing. (laughs) And just because it's God-given doesn't mean it's smooth. Just because it's God-inspired doesn't mean it's the easy way. It would have been helpful if Samuel would have said that. <laughs> I, I, I believe David is making this huge mistake in his life, one that I've made so many times, and maybe you have too, that we assume that we understand God's ways. We think we know what God should be doing. I'm preaching right now. We think we know how God is supposed to respond to this. God, if I do this, you'll do that. God, you said this, I did that, it's all working out. God, I said this, you said that, we shook on it, it's all happening. Listen very closely. We get ourselves into serious trouble when we assume that God must think and feel the same way that we do. We get ourselves in serious trouble when we assume that God must think and feel the same way we do. When we think surely this is how God is going to respond. Surely this is what God's plan is. Surely God will do this because I said that and he said this and this is what we're going to do. And we find ourselves in serious trouble Assuming that God is thinking what I'm thinking and feeling what I'm feeling. That God's ways are like my ways. That God thinks like I think. That God is constricted by the same force of time and space like I am. And we get in so much trouble when we assume God must think and feel the same way. (laughs) He knows how hard this is. So any day now, He should be coming through any day now. He knows how much I'm suffering. He knows how hard this is on my family. He knows how difficult this is in our lives. He knows the season that I'm in and how bad it is. So since he knows that, I assume that he's going to rescue me. Just, any, any, just right where oh, he's coming up because he thinks and feels like I do. And he, he works on my behalf immediately when I say, And we run, and we run, and we run, and we run, and we run. So you read the story of David in 1 Samuel, I'm hurrying. David ends up running out of the country into a place called Nob. That's the name of the city, odd. A place called Nob, where he meets a priest named Ahimelech, even stranger. And he has no idea what's going on with Saul. And so in fear and desperation, David starts doing what, what we do too. He attempted to control the situation. 
So David tells Ahimelech a lot of lies to help him out. He lies about what he's doing in Nob. He lies about being on the run. He lies about the state of his spiritual life. Listen, write this down. Don't forget this. Lying is just another form of running. Lying is what you do to the people that you don't want them to know how you got in this situation. Lying is what we do to ourselves and to our spouses and to the people that are close to us and to the people that aren't even close to us when we want to control the situation, when we want to make it look like I know what's going on. (laughs) When our whole lives are in shambles and we don't want to tell everybody, we don't know how we got here, so we lie and say, oh, I meant to do this. Oh, I had too much money to begin with. I wanted to lose it all. I went into this marriage looking for divorce. I knew that was going to happen. I picked up that knowing. I, 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 listen, I started taking those pills thinking, I hope to get addicted soon. I hope, it takes, I hope it's soon. No. No, we lie. We control. And so David starts lying and manipulating and trying to figure out how to get out of this tough situation instead of relying on God. And so David tells one more lie, and it's in the midst of that lie that God proves something to him, and it's where we're going to land very quickly because I know you're getting tired, and I'm extremely hungry. 1 Samuel 21. 1 Samuel 21 and verse 8. If you have your Bibles, read along. So David asked Ahimelech, do you have a spear or a sword here? I I didn't bring my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent, you see. (laughs) And so the priest replied, well, listen close. The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed, is here. It's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There's no sword here but that one. So David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. It's the one I want. Listen close. David is lying and manipulating. David is telling a story about how he got there. And I, it was, I'm just running. I'm on, I'm on king's official business. I didn't have time to get a sword. And his message was urgent. Do you have a sword here? And God, listen, God intervenes in David's story to give him a chance to remember. The only sword in Nob is the sword of Goliath. The only sword is the one that David could remember the faithfulness of God. And if we're not careful in our lives, we'll blow by the gentle reminders of God that He's faithful, that you can trust Him, That he's true to his word. And so David picks up this sword and he blows right by and misses what God's doing. And and he runs away. And this is absolutely terrible. This is terrible. He, He just keeps running and there's havoc 
everywhere. He could have taken that sword and looked at it and it reminded him that God had called him and the dream that he had and how far God would have brought him. And if I was David, I would have taken that sword, at least I think I would have, and I would have said, why am I running? Why am I lying? Why am I deceiving? Why did I go this far? Why am I not trusting God? God said he would. God is trustworthy. God can be trusted. But like so many of us in the middle of a shattered dream, When plan A, listen, doesn't work out, we run. And David kept running. And he takes the sword and he runs away. Saul hears about it. Let me wrap this story up very quickly for you. Saul hears about what happens. Saul is so irate. David is on the run. He's panicking. He's moving from hideout to hideout. Saul is right on his heel. And Saul is so upset about this. And he wants revenge. So he has Ahimelech killed. Not only him, but all 85 priests in Nob. He has them slaughtered. And all of their families. Listen. When you run from God, listen to me. You're not the only one who suffers. When you choose, when I choose to take our shattered dreams and run the other direction, we're not the only ones who get hurt. How you react, what do I do when God didn't come through like I thought he should? do? Do I take matters in my own hand? Do I lie and deceive and manipulate? Maybe your dreams are shattered. Maybe it's not happening like you thought it would. Maybe your life hasn't turned out. Listen, if you don't hear anything else here the last five minutes, I promise. If you're here tonight and you look at your life and the margin in between what you thought it would be and what it currently is, and you're living in this in-between time where bad decisions are made, where marriages are destroyed, when lives are in jeopardy, when plan A doesn't work, what's your plan? What do I do when God doesn't show up like I thought he should? Listen closely. Just because things are hectic, it doesn't mean your life is out of control. It just means you're not in control. When life seems chaotic and spinning around and you don't know how you got here and you don't know how your plans were foiled, you don't know how this ended up this way. This isn't the way I thought it was going to be. This isn't the life that I've planned. My dreams are shattered and plan A hasn't worked out. Listen, you and I have to learn to trust that we were never in control in the first place. Your life isn't spinning out of control. You're not in control you and I must learn on this very first week of this mini series of plan B that the only reaction acceptable when life doesn't turn out the way I thought it would 
when God doesn't show up the way I thought he should, when my plan A doesn't work out, my plan B has to be to trust that I'm not in control. That God is ultimately in control of my life. That God is trustworthy. That God can be trusted in this season. That just because it's not happening now doesn't mean it won't ever happen. Just because I don't see it now doesn't mean I never will. Listen, I want you to write this down and don't forget this final statement. God's hand is at work. If it's not in my circumstances, it is in my heart. If God's not fixing what's around me, maybe God's fixing me. If God's not answering what I thought he should, fixing what I thought he should, if God's hand is not at work in my circumstances, I can trust it is at work in my heart. Stand to your feet all over the house. David eventually becomes king. David eventually takes the throne. David is revered as the highest king in all of the Hebrew nation. From him came Messiah, our Savior. Through him will the next tabernacle be established when our Savior returns again. David's dream eventually is realized. But how many times have you and I missed witnessing God's work in our life? Listen, because we gave up five minutes or five years too soon. When we take our shattered dreams and we're tempted to run the other direction. When we try to figure it out our own way, running away from our current trouble. When we lie and distort and manipulate and panic and control. Tonight, listen close. You and I have to answer this question correctly. Because that margin between what I thought my life was going to be and what it really is, is a dangerous place. We have to answer correctly this question. We have to get this part of the equation right. If we're ever going to find out what plan B is in our life, we have to make sure we answer this correctly. What do you do when God doesn't show up the way you thought He should? And the only answer I can give God can be trusted. Our God can be trusted. Our God does all things well. Our God doesn't make a mistake. How can you say that when I buried them? Because I just trust Him. How can you say that when it didn't work out? Because I trust Him. How can you say that when it didn't come when I thought it would? Because I trust Him. How can you say that when I still lost my house? Because I trust Him. How can you say that when our marriage didn't make it? Because I trust Him. How can you say that when we buried her? Because I trust Him. Because He can be trusted when He can't be tracked. Because He can be trusted 
when you can't turn anywhere else. Because when all of my shattered dreams are realized, I know I wasn't in control to begin with. And our God can be trusted. Our God can be trusted. Trust him. Come on, put your hands in the air all over the building. Throw your head back and tell him I trust you. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.